0: Hello, and welcome to Motion Picture Commentary. My name is Taylor Williams, and today we're going to round up the 91st Academy Awards and look how I fared with my predictions. On this episode, we'll be joined again by David Birnbaum. But before we dive into this episode's topic, now would be a good time to remind listeners that an accompanying article to this episode has already been published, and we do recommend reading the article prior to listening to the rest of the episode as it will provide some context to our discussion that can be found through the BTI Community Facebook page. So today we're going to talk about the 91st Academy Awards, which aired this past Sunday night. So David, did you watch the Academy Awards?
1: I didn't have a chance to watch them this this time around, so I think uh, I'm part of that growing group that uh, has a hard time getting through it all, I guess.
0: Yeah, so this year... Um, there was a lot of changes that were proposed to try yeah. to draw in some more viewers. Um, ultimately, it just kind of ended up into ended up as more of a dumpster fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the actual ceremony went uh, really well this year, actually. So okay. um, this year, uh, they didn't go with a host. Yeah. So everything kind of flowed a lot smoother. There wasn't the sort of 10-minute monologue to kick it off. It was just uh, Tina Fey, Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler opening it up with a little two minute set of jokes. And then they presented the first award. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, it was just, they went smoothly through all of the awards. Yeah. Um, there was the song performances and the, uh, uh, best picture, uh, uh, introductions as well as the in 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 memoriams. Yeah. Um, which is really great to see stan lee uh put up there as somebody who cares a lot about comic book movies and such
1: yeah he definitely contributed a lot
0: Mm -hmm. so it ended up running about three hours and 20 minutes which about 20 minutes longer than they were wanting but uh it's it's a a marked improvement from the four-hour shows of the last few years with jimmy Kimmel hosting so Mm -hmm. there's uh, a lot of uh a lot of like um, excitement about the possibility that they won't have a host anymore. Oh, really? So, Because um, there's a lot of uh, buzz on Twitter and Twitter polls about should they have a host next year from some of the, the bigger entertainment outlets. And for the most part, they were all skewed very much in favor of having no host. So what think, are your uh, thoughts
1: on that? How did it go? Uh... I much
0: preferred it. Really? Because the issue with having a host is well especially with Jimmy Kimmel. Like Jimmy Kimmel's a funny guy. He did a lot of good things with it. But the reason the broadcast went to 4 hours a lot when he did it was because he would pull these stunts like having random tourists enter the yeah. the auditorium or he would take some people next door to shoot hot dogs at at a movie theater.
1: Yeah, but it, that seems like it was kind of the trend that media is going to generally it's like we need to just do f- silly things to keep people engaged, right? Like flash right. some flash some candy in front of them or whatever, <laughs> right? Like just gimmicks yeah. for the sake of it.
0: Right. So, but that's the issue with the Academy Awards is that it does and especially with this type of gimmicks that he pulled, they just weren't engaging. Yeah. Um I think for the most part, the, the more engaging parts of the show from, from a sort of a gimmick standpoint, or at least an entertainment standpoint was to um, have the song performances. Mm -hmm. And like this year, Queen actually opened the show with we will rock you and we are the champions.
1: Oh, nice.
0: So, um, and we just, and we had four of the five best original songs performed, uh, the Black Panther nomination song didn't perform because Kendrick Lamar and SZA weren't ready to, weren't ready for it. So they decided not to, but all the other four were presented. And, uh, so, you know, if they had cut that down to the two, they probably would have been under two, uh, under three hours, but that's, that's what makes the show a little, it cuts through some of the, you know, the speeches and the monotony of just handing stuff out. And yeah. um, So I think, uh, I do think the no host format worked really well and I think they should at least consider doing it more often.
1: So they kind uh, of lucked into it or, or unlucked into it.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it was a, it was a pretty lucky, uh, I guess way to how it just worked really well. Yeah. Uh, and out, out of what looked like it would have been a disastrous show. So, mm-hmm. uh, things worked out really well. They perform, they presented all 24 awards on stage. Um, and actually this year we had the most diverse group of winners, um, that okay, the Oscars yeah. has probably ever had, which is unfortunately going to be marred by the fact that green book won best picture, but we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later, but, uh, there was a lot of multiple firsts. I mean, we had Spike Lee winning, winning his first competitive Oscar sharing, uh, sharing a win for the best adapted screenplay for black Klansman, mm-hmm. um, their uh, persons of color won three out of the four acting awards Regina King and Mahershala Ali and Rami Malik. Um, I didn't know had,
1: Rami was a person of color.
0: Well, he's Egyptian, so. Okay.
1: How um, you know
0: that? Yeah. And uh, but then we had women sweeping the shorts. So yeah. Women filmmakers swept all of the short categories. Uh, Roma was the first Mexican film to win foreign language. And uh, the Mexican director, Alfonso Cuaron, was the first to win Best Director and Best Cinematography at the same Oscars.
1: Oh, nice. Very impressive. And I
0: believe he's now the first filmmaker to win Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing at the Oscars in, in the history. So he's become pretty much the, uh, the best triple threat filmmaker in, in the industry today. Um, I think he's actually the first to ever win all three what are what's
1: another one of his uh, films he's won for?
0: Uh, so he won Best Director for Gravity and Best Film Editing for Gravity. Okay. Uh, in two thousand and thirteen, he also uh, uh, did Children of Men in mm-hmm. the mid two thousands with Clive Owen. Yep. Um, so now he so he's won two Best Directors, and actually Mexican filmmakers have won five of the last six in that category. With Quaron uh, starting it off in 2013 with Gravity, and then Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu won back-to-back years for Birdman and The Revenant, and then uh, Damien Chazelle won for La La Land, splitting splitting up the Mexican dominance, and then uh, Guillermo del Toro won last year for The Shape of Water, and then Quaron. One this year for Roma. So Mexican filmmakers have pretty much been dominating uh, the director category for the better part of this decade. Yeah. And then uh, we also had Black Panther earning three Oscars, all first for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, They took home Best Original Score for Ludwig Goranson, and they had the first Black winners for Costume Design and Production Designed for Ruthie Carter and Hannah Beachler, respectively. Mm-hmm. They also became the first Black women to win those categories. So all in all, it was a pretty big night for for diversity. Uh, but unfortunately, it's all it's going to get marred by the the Green Book win, which many are kind of calling, uh, you know, the the white people friendly race relations story. Huh. Um, so there's there's a lot of anger going on about that when uh, Spike Lee was visibly upset about it actually trying to storm out of the theater uh, after it was not, after it was, after it was announced to have won before coming back and turning us back to the stage throughout their entire speech. So we're going to we'll, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more in depth as we run through uh, the awards um, and how I tur- how my predictions went. Mhm. Um so let's re- let's start off into that. So we'll we'll go in order the way that I presented them in the article. Yep. So we'll start off with Best Original Screenplay. Now, I predicted the favorite was going to win and this was the first sort of surprise of the night uh with Green Book taking the screenplay. Um I don't think many people expected that and there was definitely at least some anger about it winning um with the AV Club which is a uh, one of the more prominent uh, entertainment sites actually calling it a bad script on on social media immediately following its win um, so, so why think, do you,
1: why did you originally pick the favorite over green book
0: so I picked the favorite just because of so w- the way that I make my predictions is I I scour uh, the award ceremony results from previous award shows and then I look at what the experts like the, the film critics for other entertainment outlets are are predicting and then I sort of base it on that okay so the favorites seem to be coming up everywhere as as the the choice to go as with the favorite exactly right <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I ended up going with it and then Green Book ended up winning so I don't think many people picked or at least many people outside of the Academy would have picked Green Book.
1: Mm-hmm. But, um, so now, like, there must be some people trying to explain why it won. So what are the kind of reasons why it was chosen?
0: Um, well, I think it, it's probably going to come down to the same sort of reasons that it ended up winning uh, Best Picture, and that, you know, it's a, it's kind of, you know, like a bit of a feel-good sort of race relations, happy go you know, not a not a harder hitting one like Black Klansmen where it really challenges um sort of challenges our, our how we where we are right now in terms of race relations. It's one of those ones that's just sort of you know, it's it's a family friendly version of it. hmm Okay. So um and there's now, you know, there's a lot of people that are really angry about it and we'll get we'll get into that more a bit later. But mm-hmm. um just in terms of, uh, screenplay, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's, I don't know why it won. Um, I think the favorite probably should have won over it, Mm -hmm. uh, or even Roma probably could have won as well. So, um, it ultimately, that's what the Academy members decided to pick, uh, it won whether. Whether, <laughs> whether it deserved it or not. I mean, there's not much we can argue about now. It, it did take it home. So mm-hmm. um, I actually, I, you know, I, and I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really judge it. For, actually, I haven't seen either of these movies, really. Uh, to, so I can't really judge them on those, on my own sort of opinions of, of how they were written just based on, on viewing it. So
1: I, I saw The Favourite. I'm going to see Green Book soon, but The Favourite, It was interesting, but I I don't really, I guess, know uh, how to tell if the screenplay is good, like if the writing itself is good.
0: Well, that's more of a, it's more judged by the actual writing of it. So um, like when when they're submitting these for for consideration for awards, they submit the screenplay and then people are supposed to read the screenplay. Mm -hmm. But you can generally tell based on how a film has been presented on the screen, whether it was well written or not. Um, But sometimes, you know, you can get a great movie out of a a terrible script. Sometimes you can get a bad movie out of a great script. So it all depends on who's at the who's Who's, behind the camera. Right. So like if you just look at, uh, say, Mission Impossible Fallout, the latest one in the series, which many, including myself, or think is one of the best action films ever. Um, And Chris, Chris McQuarrie, who's the director And the writer of it said he started the script, they started filming when he only had a 33 page script. Yeah. For a film that ended up about two and a half hours. And with typical film scripts, you want to have one page per one minute of screen time. Mm -hmm. But he's able to, he was able to create this sort of action movie masterpiece with 33 pages of these are the sort of where we want to go with the story, but how we get there is sort of up to us on on the day sort of thing. So there's a lot of improv and just sort of writing it on the day as they start setting up and they kind of get a feel for what the scene is going to be. So they let the story dictate it, but they let everything sort of involved in that process write it. Whereas there's some other filmmakers who, it's the scripts got to be have everything they don't like going off script everything's got to be perfect
1: mm-hmm. so
0: there's so many different ways of doing it so the best way to sort of analyze whether it's a good screenplay or not is to actually read it but yeah i i kind of i can usually sort of get an idea of whether it's a good screenplay or not just by watching
1: mm-hmm. okay
0: Um, and that's where um, when we go into best adapted screenplay uh, Black Klansman is who I predicted that was both off of what I had seen from scouring awards ceremonies and expert picks as well as my own opinion because I felt that that was one of the best films of the year top to bottom it was extremely well made Mm -hmm. Uh, so it certainly deserved deserved it I think there was some people that were uh, also kind of hoping that uh, Barry Jenkins might have picked it up or if Beale Street could talk. Um, but ultimately, it went to Black Klansman and Spike Lee and his team of three other screenwriters. So um, that was Spike Lee's very first uh, Oscar, competitive Oscar win and uh, in five nominations.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: he, uh, he was pretty happy about it. Um, yeah. And actually it was the award for screenplay was presented by Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Samuel L. Jackson got his first acting job in, in a Spike Lee movie. So it was kind of a, you know, a real good friendly moment for them up on stage when, uh, especially when Samuel L. Jackson opened the envelope and, and saw Black Klansman as the winner uh, so he, he was super pumped about it, and then Spike Lee jumped into him, into his arms once he got on stage. So they were having a, a real good time of <laughs> celebrating yeah. the win. Yeah, that's a it's nice. It's unfortunate moment. that the uh, the end of the night wasn't as as good for Spike. But yeah. he's he's uh, he's an animated character, and mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of to be expected from him to be uh, you know the animated character that he is, and he during his speech for the, the best adapted screenplay win, he, uh, he made a call back to his film from 1989, do the right thing, which was shut out of the best picture race, um, and lost to driving Miss Daisy, uh, which ended up going, uh, which is kind of in the same vein as green book. (laughs) That's Uh, funny. So, uh, he said after the show that it's like, it seems every 30 years I lose to somebody who's driving somebody. Um, But then, uh, that was after the show, but during his uh, acceptance speech, he taught, he, you know, urged people to mobilize for the 2020 election and mm-hmm. do the right thing, uh, making that call back. So, um, and he told the, uh, the peep, the producers not to turn the, the ninety second speech clock on for him, And they did with, uh, some colorful language that ended up getting bleeped out of the show. But, yeah, um, yeah, and Donald Trump uh, accused him of being a racist after his speech and putting a hit job out on him when he didn't even mention him by name. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I was I was really happy for Spike and him and Samuel L. Jackson uh, celebrating together was one of my favorite moments of the night.
1: That's good. How how do you feel about all of this? Uh uh political stuff that goes on in the oscars because there's i mean the the right-wing people i follow on twitter to a, a low degree um you know they believe that that is some of the reason people are turning it away regardless of if you're a right-wing or a left-wing if you want to hear about movies you don't necessarily want to hear all the movie people talk about politics
0: yeah um but that's definitely not just a right-wing issue mm-hmm like I know some people on the left, or who would consider themselves on the left, that have issues with that as well. Yeah. Um. But like for me, it's more of a case of you know this is these are people who have a stage and they have a voice that can reach more people than you know we can, right? Mm-hmm. And whether they use they you know, they're 90 seconds to point out, you know, um, an issue, a political stance, an issue on there. I mean, Spike also talked about slavery as well. Um, I think it's, you know, they're, they need to make a stand to show you know that they're not just disengaged from, from the public society because you know, once you talk about, you know, celebrities making $20 million a film, you know, it kind of takes you, it takes them out of being a normal citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't view them as, as regular citizens anymore. And that's part of the problem, I think, with why people are so against hearing, you know, public personas, uh, points of view on politics, um, because they have a better you know, they have a, a, you know, quote, unquote, better life than mm-hmm. the average person. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it pops up in sports like LeBron James and Laura Ingram telling him to shut up and dribble. And, yeah. you know, you got, you know, musicians who post a, a political thought and people say shut up and get back to music. But it's, you know, these people, if they're doing it on, you know, they're doing it, to raise awareness to specific issues that they feel are important for the people that uh, don't have the platform to bring awareness to it. Mm -hmm. I don't see why that should be a problem.
1: I I don't know if it's necessarily a problem, um, but I think it does make sense that it kind of turns some people off. Um, well,
0: yeah, I guess it. I guess it comes across as preachy in some sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Or it's just, you know, like I think there's a big problem generally with politics invading everything now. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if I just want to appreciate movies for three hours, which is what the Oscars is theoretically for, I don't want to have to necessarily every twenty minutes hear about how bad Donald Trump is, even if, like, even if it's just like, you know movies generally are supposed to help me suspend uh, the real world or whatever, right?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally understand that point of view.
1: But they're um, people with a platform and opinions, I guess, exactly. as well.
0: Exactly, and and they need to be able to share those opinions to other people as well. Like, I, I don't think these people should be censored just because they make a lot of money and have, have public face time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, we're all allowed to have... A, political opinions without having you know a politically a political science degree from you know harvard
1: yeah
0: which is kind of one of those things that always comes up whenever you see somebody famous talking about politics is that you know you guys or you don't have a political science degree but like i don't have a political science degree you don't have a political science degree but yet we're still talking about it as as just citizens of countries and human beings like these are issues that uh, affect everybody regardless of your status in life mm-hmm. so you should be able to have that conversation or at least have share your opinion and especially when you see something that's you know fairly problematic like you know Donald Trump yeah we're all sick of hearing about it but unfortunately this is the world we're living in until 2020 where when he's out of hopefully out of office
1: yeah all so,
0: right. I, I think it's fine uh, I don't have any issue with it. I mean, it's either we hear about them talk about political issues or thanking every single person that had anything to do with making <laughs> a movie or their parents, right? So
1: yeah.
0: it's you know, like which one do you want to hear about more? I don't like I don't have <laughs> an issue fair. with either. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me it you know, I, I just wanna see the people that I believe should win win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's there's also, you know, some moral issues with who wins like this year with bohemian rhapsody i mean they won four academy awards and they won more than any other film but nobody thanked uh the the person credited as as the director of the film which is a good thing uh because brian singer is uh has been accused of molesting and raping underage boys Mm -hmm. and he was also fired from the film but because he had filmed over 50% of it um, he still got the directing credit through the directing Guild of America's uh, rules yeah uh, so even though Dexter Fletcher finished off the film Brian singer is the attached director for it so um, you know but pe- these people are distancing him from the film despite his name being attached to it so you know that's that's a good thing Um uh, mm-hmm. You know, so there's I, I, I don't have any issue with uh, people sharing their 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 points of view on on moral issues and stuff like that, because I think ultimately it's going to if it doesn't for everybody that it pisses off, there's somebody going, yeah, you know what? That's right. Mm. They're right about that. And then then they're going to share that. And, you know, even though the majority or, you know, maybe the majority of people don't want to hear it. There are a lot of people that do, and it might bring in some new people to, to, to that side of the sort of the issue. So mm-hmm. I think okay. it's a good thing, personally.
1: Okay, cool. I appreciate your opinion on it.
0: Uh, so yeah, then our next uh, next category was best film editing which I predicted John Ottman for Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's who ended up winning. Mm. Um, uh, but it's kind of funny right now because in the days after it's when uh, social media was just having a field day with it, is there is a specific scene where uh, the band has a meeting with a, uh, with, an, with a manager or something. I can't remember exactly who. Um,
1: Played by Mike Myers?
0: Uh, no, this I was... Aiden Gillen uh, from uh, people probably know him as Littlefinger and Game of Thrones. Okay, uh, but yeah. it was it, it was a meeting at this restaurant. And they were sitting outside and it's it's like a, a minute and 20 second clip. And in that minute and 20 seconds, there's like 50 to 55 cuts. <laughs> so it changes camera position 50, to, 50 times and, you know, 70 seconds, which outside of an action movie is unheard of and not recommended. Yeah. You know, that's one scene that's being shared, but there's, uh, you know, I, I don't remember uh, any other specific scenes. Like I, I saw the movie you know, uh, a few months back and that scene was one that kind of stuck out to me, but I didn't, I don't remember any other ones that were like specifically like lots of jump cuts between, between different camera angles. Mm-hmm. Um but there is, uh, there are people who are, you know, dunking on it that are saying that it's like that throughout the rest of the movie. Um, so they're kind of like questioning how, uh, how a, a film that's not an action movie making that many cuts is winning, best winning for best film editing.
1: And so, what are the kind of rationales behind its win?
0: Uh, well, so film editing, and film editing often goes to action movies. Yeah because uh, specifically because there's so many cuts Mm -hmm. and to make it work well, um, it takes a really good editor to, to piece that action sequence together out of the, you know, however many hours they have of footage from different, uh, from different angles and piecing it together. So it's generally viewed action movies are generally viewed as more difficult when it comes to editing. So I, i think in terms of it winning it probably had something to do with the fact there were so many different cuts Mm -hmm. that it was a much harder edit for somebody to do because they had to do so many different changes of they had to go through so many different vantage points for the same scene and you know sort of piece together uh piece together a movie that you know for the most part audiences enjoyed Mm -hmm. um so i think that's why it ended up winning but for me, I, I would have preferred to see Black Klansman win for uh, Barry Barry Alexander Brown, I believe his name was, the editor for the film, because um, I felt that you know Black Klansman was one of just the, the best in ter- best films of the year in terms of just straight out filmmaking, which is what the Oscars are about. and yeah. I think you know good editing is editing that you don't notice mm-hmm. as a a regular audience member um you know if you're a, a film editor obviously that's something that you're going to notice but um it was just really really well done so i felt like it should have won but mm-hmm. uh it, it ended up going to john ottman so i, I think that was his first win and his first nomination yep so um you know congrats to him but uh hmm. some people aren't too happy about it
1: all right that's fair enough
0: all yeah right, so then in
1: cinematography yeah
0: so with that i went with alfonso clarone for roma and alfonso clarone won, uh right and deservedly so um roma was just a beautifully shot film um you know the the black and white was it it just worked with the story and the camera angles and the, the movements and that, just everything about it was fabulous and yeah typically, um, Claron's worked a lot with uh, a solo, one of the more decorated cinematographers and uh, Emmanuel Lubezki who's won three Academy Awards for cinematography but uh, Claron being st- being as the story is sort of a semi autobiographical piece from his upbringing in Mexico City, um, he sort of took the lead on you know everything. Like he wrote it, he was the director, cinematographer, he co edited it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: he, he basically you know did everything yeah. uh, for that movie, and they actually um, they built much of the the neighborhood of that he grew that sort of the, the neighborhood he grew up in in mexico city in the 1970s they built that uh, on in a set and so like it was just the attention to detail and everything about the film was just so perfect for what he was trying to do and uh, cinematography was just one key piece that was extremely extremely well done so i am really happy he took it um and yeah now he's uh the only one to win you know sort of the three most you know most important uh, awards in terms of filmmaking the, the filmmaking process and directors and photography and editing
1: yeah definitely so it,
0: and, you know, that, that'll lead in, that leads in with Best Director. So he, I also picked him to win that, and uh, he won it. So that's his second Best Director win um, at, after Gravity. And really, I I think uh, it's kind of cemented Cuaron as, you know, one of the best filmmakers of our generation, if not of all time. I mean, the guy has made, count, you know, a few films over the years, and he's, Gotten either nominated or won <laughs> for pretty much all of them. So mm-hmm. the guys just fantastic and
1: do do directors often also act as cinematographers or is that uncommon? Not
0: usually. It's it's fairly uncommon uh, because the director has such a, a large job in terms of you know making the film in general. Is you know they have to be. You know they're coordinating with the costume designers, the makeup and hairstyling hairstylists, and the production design. They're talking with edit, editing, sound, like the the this person who's scoring the film. Uh, they're you know they're they're handling you know pretty much everything that comes in terms of making the film what it is. Mm-hmm. They're they're that one central figure that is driving the creative project forward. Yeah. So by taking on so many roles, it's it it's a lot to do and for for a fairly large project. I mean, it takes a long time to film a film film a movie. Um, you know, something like Roma would be you know, it probably take a month, two months to film.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: but, you know, then you look at something you know, like, uh, uh, like the Avengers movies, like they film those, the, la- the, the latest two, they film back to back, but they, they took about a year's worth of filming, but then that's just on set filming. But, you know, then there's the months of pre-production, a mm-hmm. couple months of shooting the film. And then there's post-production, which is another, you know, four or five months, depending upon the size of the film. And then that's, you know, sitting down in the cutting room every day going through and editing it together making and then making sure that you have a film that tells the story that you want it to tell yeah but then there's also the sound issues so you then you're talking with your foley artists and your sound mixers and everything so um, it's just the director is you know the most important job when it comes to driving a film forward so doing all of that stuff it's a pretty large undertaking and um, and to do it that well i mean the guy's certainly deserving of the awards that he won if not he should he should have probably won more yeah. in my opinion
1: and before moving on uh like what do you think for the value of the oscars for rec- like because like other than something like this someone like me wouldn't really hear about these people at all right you hear about the actors and the actresses they have they're the famous ones but often with few exceptions like you know everyone kind of knows spielberg and scorsese um Mm -hmm. but you know there are often other winners who um like really the awards are kind of their only time of getting any any public recognition
0: Um, and that's that's what i want that's what i want the oscars to be I want them to be recognizing, you know, just masterful pieces of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And I said it in the piece I, I, I think they, for the most part, do it well. Uh, they're not perfect, but for the most part, they achieve the goal that they're trying to achieve fairly well. And that's recognizing the, the films and the people making them that mostly most deserve recognition for making, you know, truly excellent. And masterful pieces of art, and that's not, you know, that's not to knock more mainstream films, but when you look at, you know, your, you know, if you look at a Marvel Cinematic Universe film that that you know is well received critically versus, you know, uh, a film like Roma or Black Klansman, there's a decided difference in, you know, there's a there's a big difference in terms of the actual filmmaking of it mm-hmm. and the quality. And I would, and you know, I, I don't, I don't have any issues with mainstream films winning, but I want them to win on their own merits, not because it's what the people, well, you know, what, what, uh, you know, uh, the mainstream audience wants to see.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so I would much rather see something like Roma win uh, best picture to Black Panther. And I love Black Panther. It was one of my favorite movies of last year, but I don't think it should have uh, been nominated when there were some other films that probably deserved it more. But I mean, I feel like Black Panther Black Panther deserved it more than Bohemian Rhapsody, but um, uh, versus something like First Man or Annihilation, Eighth Grade, Sorry to Bother You. Um, there's a couple others that I feel like should have been nominated well before it mm-hmm.
1: um yeah that's so, fair. Uh,
0: and and for me like sorry to bother you should have absolutely won best original screenplay in my opinion because that was the most original and unique films i've seen well probably ever yeah if not at least on par with get out last year which won best original screenplay but then it wasn't even nominated and it wasn't really on the radar. Now Boots Riley, the director of the film uh, said that was mainly because they just didn't really campaign uh, for, for the awards, which Mm -hmm. to be that, you know, that's, that's a lot to do with it, but I think it should have been the one to win. But um, uh, I, I do think that the Oscars are, should be, should be, recognizing more prestige films which is what they're mainly doing and i don't want i don't want it to change into because of you know uh so the, the mainstream audience going i i never heard of this movie mm-hmm. you know like i remember when birdman won best picture you know seeing some people from university going you know either what the hell is birdman or it wasn't even good because they didn't get it
1: yeah
0: and then i watch in birdman i i mean it's it's a really out there movie but it's extremely well made and the way that they shot it they actually shot it as so that it would look as if it was a one take movie mm-hmm. so every it was shot could sec in sort of chronological order which is very uncommon Uh um, And I thought it was well deserving of it, but you know, then you'll see other people who aren't really into, um, aren't as into film or who care more just about watching film as, as more of an entertainment versus art Yeah, uh, that just don't understand how, how best picture is chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, I don't want that to change because I want the Oscars to stand for excellence in film versus just what the audience found most entertaining, which there's enough awards for that stuff.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely.
0: And, you know, then, you know, I think in terms of, uh, in terms of the sort of the big, the big awards ceremonies, I mean, the Oscars are the only ones that are, are, is the only one that, uh, kind of does that versus you know if you look at the grammys the ones that are winning the big awards are all really mainstream artists Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i mean and i'm not i'm you know i'm not going to be that guy who's like oh you know fuck cardi b she doesn't deserve to win it because she's you know she's a rapper blah 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 like i don't i don't care about that Mm -hmm. you know but um it's just you look at who wins those for the sort of the uh you know, the, the pinnacle of musical awards And it's always
1: like the popular people.
0: It's always the most popular people. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Oscars and you rarely see popular films breaking through because they're recognizing the sort of art house films that are, that demonstrate masterful filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that's what I want out of the Oscars.
1: Yeah. But this is a good segue into the next one because it was kind of both. It was I think pretty popular and just like superbly well done. I saw that I saw it and loved it.
0: Mhm. So best animated feature, right? So I went with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as my prediction and that's what won and really it was most deserved of the bunch Mm -hmm. I mean that film was just spectacular yeah Um,
1: one of the best movies I've seen in a long time just generally
0: films of the year no doubt about it Um, mm -hmm. it it took me a little bit to get used to the uh, animation style which is very different but then Mm -hmm. you, you know it started to click on what they were going for with it and after that you know I wasn't even thinking about it but it was just so different compared to the other Animated features that were nominated and the idea was to kind of put you inside a comic book
1: mm-hmm.
0: Which it was actually really cool yeah, and I really loved it and then just the film and in, in its uh, in its story and it was just really really well done and really well deserving of the of, of the win and you know, I, I think if there was an animated feature film to, to get nominated for best picture that one deserved it. Yeah. So, um, I was, I, I, it took me a couple of weeks to end up going to see it, but uh, it was one of those ones where you walk out of the theater going, holy crap, that was, that was phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, I didn't, I don't know, just seeing the previews for it, I didn't, I wasn't sold, but then a couple of friends recommended it, and I was just like, all right, all right. Like and yeah i I actually I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it it was I was nuts, it was so good,
0: yeah, so and like i I had heard about it from some of my writing colleagues at uh, c b r and then I was seeing it on come up on list after list after list of uh you know comics experts rankings of comic book movies from this past year as their number one, and I was going holy shit, like, you know, (laughs) we have an animated movie as, you know, the number one ranked comic book movie when you have, you know, Infinity War and Black Panther coming out. So I was going, Mm -hmm. wow. So when I went to see it, I was going, I had, you know, pretty high expectations going in, which oftentimes isn't the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But then this one totally lived up and exceeded those expectations. So like it was just a really really good film um and the screenplay apparently is fantastic as well Mm -hmm. i haven't read it but uh they it was it was put online in the four-year consideration but uh um yeah people are loving it
1: okay very nice
0: so yeah um then came the acting awards so for best supporting actor i picked uh, Mahershala Ali for Green Book and mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali won
1: yeah.
0: um, this you know uh, Green Book is it's a tough one to sort of talk about now because there's just so much animosity towards it winning stuff but you know Mahershala Ali is proven himself to be one of the best actors yeah. working in the industry right now and regardless of whether or not this film was true to true to um the real dr shirley or not marcia probably did put on one hell of a performance in this film Mm -hmm. because that's who he is and that's who he is as an actor so um i you know this ties into the whole historical accuracy thing and whether that should matter um in terms of looking at a film and and the performances within it and I think Mahershala Ali is probably going to win you know Oscars galore over the next <laughs> few years I mean he's yeah. won two of the last three for best supporting actor and he he, he won his first for Moonlight
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he was in like a third of that movie and he won the best supporting actor i mean the guy's just fantastic and i don't know if you uh watch true detective but they just wrapped up season three so he was winning his oscar well the premiere of or or the final episode of season three of true detective was airing on hbo and like he he was just amazing in that in that season Mm. The guy's just phenomenal phenomenal actor and i think you know regardless of whether or not you like the film or not, I think he probably deserved the win. Yeah. So um, I'm happy to see him win that. That's good. Uh, So, and then for best supporting actress, this one I picked Regina King for if Beale street could talk. Uh, This was one that I really didn't know which way it was going to go. It was just all over the place. And, you know, you go through, you look at the past awards, and you'd look at uh, different expert opinions, and there was nobody had a nobody had a consensus. There was no consensus pick here, so mm-hmm. I stuck with my gut, went with Regina King, and she won. Um, yeah. It was just one of those ones where the year didn't have the uh, it didn't really have any precursors. There was no outright favorite. I mean, she won the Golden Globe and performed well at some other smaller awards, but uh, some of the other big awards to look at, like the Screen Actors Guild, which is usually the best place to look when you want the Guild Awards are usually the best place to look at uh, for who's going to win the Oscar. Um, the winner there didn't even get nominated for at the at the Academy Awards, and Emily Blunt for a quiet place. So. And then Rachel Weiss won at the, uh, the, BA- the BAFTA Awards. So this one could have gone really any direction out yeah. of the five nominees. Um, so uh, fortunately, I got it right, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it very well could have got, gone the other way and I wouldn't have been upset about it by any means.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, I'm happy awesome. for Regina King to win. Uh, yeah. she's, she's a phenomenal actor uh, and more than deserving of, of an award. Uh, of this stature. So I'm really happy for her. Uh,
1: yeah. All so right. And that
0: best actor. Yeah. Uh, I picked Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. uh, for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury. I personally probably had, I seen vice. I pro I probably think Christian Bale would have won. And that was seemingly a prevailing opinion from other experts mm-hmm. is that Christian Bale should have won, but they were all picking Rami Malek, regardless yeah. of whether, the fact that they thought Christian Bale was more deserving.
1: Okay. Um, is that because it was a more popular movie? Like, It, what...
0: might, it might have something to do with that. I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, like Christian Bale won at the Golden Globes. But so did Rami Malek. Um, so and then Malek won pretty much everywhere else. So it was mm. kind of you know just one of those ones where Malek was the favorite because of performance at the other ceremonies. Um, I don't have any issues with Malek winning. Uh, mm. For me, he was you know sort of the the you know the best part of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I enjoyed the film, but I don't think it should have been nominated for. For anything outside of him at best actor yeah um, and you know the sound the sound awards that it won sure that's fine i mean it is a, a movie about a you know a, a music you know a singer and a band so mm-hmm. the, you know the sound's bound to be good um so i don't have any issues with it winning those but uh the talk of it winning like best picture best editing i i i don't think they should have even been nominated let alone win editing but that's just you know my opinion yeah um so yeah yeah, he
1: he was still he was good so
0: yeah yeah no he was totally uh totally deserving of nomination and uh, you know i'm totally fine with him winning
1: um
0: -hmm. it was his first nomination his first win um unfortunately he celebrated by falling off the stage but uh, oh no after the show and had to get treated by paramedics, but he was fine and yeah, seemed to be having a, a good time afterwards. So uh, I'm happy for him, but it was it wouldn't have been who I would have think deserved it most. But
1: mm.
0: I mean, Christian Bale's one best actor, best supporting actor before. So um, I don't think he's going home too upset about it.
1: No, probably not.
0: Uh, and then best actress, this was the biggest shock of the night. Um, everybody thought Glenn Close had it in the bag and so did I. And then Olivia Coleman won for the favorite. And you can just tell that from her speech. I don't know if you, uh, saw it, but she was just as shocked as anybody that she won. Yeah. And she even said to to Glenn Close, like, this isn't how I wanted it to be sort of thing. But, uh, um, I didn't see the film, so I can't really comment on her for her performance, but there was a lot of people uh, that loved it. So uh-huh. uh, I got no issues with her winning. I just really thought it was going to be Glenn Close. I mean, yeah. this was her seventh nomination. She's never won. Uh, her and Amy Adams have the most, uh, the most nominations now uh, by an actor uh, without a win. That's Glenn Close has seven and Amy Adams has six. And neither of them have won. So people thought, you know, like this is Glenn Close's seventh nomination. Uh, she's the front runner. You know, she's paid her dues. And she just, it was her time to take it home. And then, just shocking, she didn't.
1: Yeah. I did see the favorite and I didn't like the movie overall, but Olivia Coleman was quite good in it. Like she was the thing that made it at least, like, made it interesting for me.
0: Right, yeah, and um, it's actually, uh, it earned three nominations for for actress, so like there was Olivia Colman for Best Actress, and then Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone both got nominations for Supporting Actress mm-hmm. for the film, um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, um, I'll, I'll get to the ones that I haven't seen eventually, it's just, you know, I'd, this year I haven't really been working, so uh, it's a little hard to, to pay to go see movies all the time, yeah. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see as many as uh, last year where I had seen out of like all of the awards uh, categories that I picked last year, um, which was everything here except for editing. I had seen all but two of the films nominated Mm -hmm. across the 10 categories. So yeah, it it was like over 20 films, I think, or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I'd seen all but two. Yeah. So uh, this year it was a much different story, and but you know, after, at the end of it all, I, you know, I still finished eight out of eleven with uh, two fairly surprising uh, losses with Green Book and Best Original Screenplay and Olivia Coleman at Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to Best Picture, I mean, I picked Roma, but I knew that it was either going to come down to Roma or Green Book. Yeah, and Green Book won. So you, um, you
1: thought it might be Green Book,
0: but a lot of people are, like, be. upset. Yeah, so Roma and Green Book were the, the front runners. Roma had a slight lead, and Green Book was just behind it. And, like, this has happened every year since I've started uh, making predictions pretty much, apart from last year. Like, the first year I started doing this, uh, Spotlight won Best Picture, But, um, oh, crap, what was the movie that everybody else thought was going to win it that year? The Revenant, I think it was. So everybody thought, you know, The Revenant was going to win Best Picture. And then, so that's what I went with. And even though my gut said, let's go with uh, Spotlight, I went with what the experts were going with, and then Spotlight won. And then the year after that, it was, you know, La La Land was the front runner and I wanted Moonlight to win. But I picked La La Land because that was, you know, the the front runner and then you know, then there was the whole,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: wrong envelope thing, but Moonlight won. So and then last year, you know, Shape of Water won and that was the front runner and that's what you know, I, I picked that. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but I think it was certainly deserving of the win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but it won uh, and then this year you know the front runner appeared to be roma and but then green book was the one that people th- thought could beat it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it ended up happening so what this comes down to though is the way that best picture is picked so best picture used to only have up until 2009 it only had Five nominees as well mm-hmm. as, as every other category, but in 2008, um, The Dark Knight didn't get a Best Picture nomination, and people were very upset about that. And that was the year the Hurt Locker won, which was you know a fairly surprising Best Picture winner. Uh, so they expanded it to allow up to ten nominations, but mm-hmm. ever since they've made that change, they've never nominated ten. But uh, the basically the way that it's um, the way that it, it's uh, decided is they do a preferential ballot. Okay. So it, everybody in the academy marks down the the nominees. So this year there was eight nominees. Do they do they that write, for
1: all the categories or only uh, this one?
0: I think it's only for best picture. Okay. Uh, everything else, it's just you know who do you want to win sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a popular vote sort of thing. Yeah. But with um, best picture you rank it from one to eight this year and then once they go through and count all of the number one votes so they t- they sort them out into the categories based off of the, n- the number one vote on each ballot
1: yeah and then and you then eliminate until you eliminate the one eighth
0: left. one and then you take the number two off of those ballots that were in the one that placed eight and you distribute them mm-hmm. Either their number two and sort of thing so the idea is once you get to 51 percent one pile has 51 percent. that's your best picture winner because it's now viewed as the most widely liked film by the academy members yeah which um whether it came down to net uh roma being a foreign language film or the fact that it's a netflix film which has a lot of people upset mm-hmm. um Roma ended up being, despite probably a popular vote, so the most number one overall picks. Once it, when it wasn't number one pick, it wasn't as high up as Green Book was for uh, everybody else who didn't pick Green Book to win. Yeah. So uh, a number as their number one. So it's it looks like the way that Green Book won was that people rated it, the people who didn't vote for either of them as their number one voted for Green Book higher than Roma, which is why Green Book ended up winning. Um, And whether that's uh, the right winner or not, I mean, there's a lot of animosity towards it right now, Um, deserved or not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, we got an LA Times critic calling it the worst best picture winner since Crash, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know then you got other people saying that with green book winning uh it shows the oscars haven't changed uh from the you know the sort of oscars so white you know yeah which to me is disappointing because this year there was such a diverse group of winners that to, to then crown green book which is kind of you know the softest in terms of racial, racial dramas that was, or, you know, comedy slash dramas that was, uh, up for the award. It kind of then takes a step back from all of the good that happened this year in terms of diversity. So, Mm um, I don't, I don't want to say that it didn't deserve to win, but it certainly isn't a good look from, from the diversity standpoint uh, that it won.
1: But it's still like a, a based on true events story about race, right? Like,
0: yeah, so, but the issue there uh, with a lot of the hate towards it is that um, some extended family members of Dr. Shirley, uh, the, the pianist in the film, the jazz pianist, um, have called it a, you know, a symphony of lies. They're saying it's not an accurate portrayal of who Don Shirley was. Um, now the, the writer who uh, is uh, the son of, of uh, the driver bouncer security guard, that Beagle Morton's portrays in the film. Mm-hmm. He said that he was told the story from Dr. Shirley, and he was told not to contact anybody outside of, him and his father Mm -hmm. about the story because that's the only people that the story is about yeah that's what he's saying um but then you know he's he's gotten himself into some hot water uh because of a tweet that he um shared or retweeted about uh Muslims reportedly celebrating after 9-11 or something like that yeah he later apologized for it but you know there's the film has just been circled circled with controversy leading up to the to the actual awards night. so there was already a lot of animosity towards it and then the fact that it you know people are kind of viewing it as you know this whole you know white savior who comes in and teaches a black man how to be black and uh or you know and then you know, he's a, a, also a black gay man. Uh, you know, teaches him how to eat fried chicken or something. Like, there's just some. I, anyways, the, the the point is, is that the film is definitely the softer side of you know the. You know that this whole the whole racial divide can be solved by just you know, being nice to each other or something. That's kind of like the what people are saying that is the issue with it and okay. that, and then there's some you know deeper seated because some of the pieces I've read on it are like very very angry pieces <laughs> and I <laughs> I don't know why necessarily but I mean I'd have to see the film first before I can really formulate my own opinions on it. Mm. Um, I think Roma should have won um personally but then with that there comes its own can of worms but at least in a way if roma had won we wouldn't be having this discussion about the oscar still being oscar so white yeah we'd be talking about this as we'd be celebrating this as one of the most diverse groups of oscar winners ever and the only anger towards the Best Picture winner would be that it was a Netflix film. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure there'd be lots of people have to say about that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's already some uh, European art house uh, film, you know, like theaters that are basically call, you know, saying that the Oscars hold no value anymore because Roma won some awards. And, you know, they're basically making Roma out to be this, you know, a, a ma- basically a made-for-TV movie, uh,
1: yeah. which,
0: you know, in a way, it is. But, um, you know, Netflix did release it into select theaters.
1: Um, Only because there's a minimum requirement to qualify,
0: I think, right? True. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because, you know, once you put these films into theaters, nobody's going to watch them anyway outside of, uh, you know, the biggest of biggest cinephiles, like, Mm -hmm. people aren't lining up to see a mexican foreign language film yeah but you know if you if you see it one night when you're scrolling through netflix and you've heard you know oh this movie's got good reviews or something and Mm -hmm. you know and it's right there for you to be able to watch at home I think that's a good thing because ultimately it brings more people, more
1: people to watch the high quality artistic. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of the, the point of what the Oscars are trying to do in, in some ways is it's trying to bring more recognition to, to the films that deserve it. Mm -hmm. And regardless of the fact that Roma wasn't like, you know, a, a box office, you know, only sort of film when it was released, you know it was one of the best made films of the year Mm -hmm. and i think it certainly deserved recognition and i think we have to start embracing the fact that the way that we consume film is changing definitely i don't want to see the you know the the movie theater experience go away and we talked about that in the first episode but Mm. I think we do need to be at least open to the idea that people don't want to always be viewing films in, in that way, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: especially when, you know, like you're not going to have people lining up paying 10, $12 to see Roma. They're not going to do that. Yeah. But do it as part of, you know, a $12 a month where they can watch, you know, whatever number of films and TV series then people are going to see those films because it's not Mm. it's they don't have to they don't have to shell out 12 dollars to go see this movie and go out and go to some independent theater that's showing it because chances are it's not going to be showing at your local galaxy or your you know big theater chain
1: yeah definitely
0: so i i don't i don't understand the uh the reasoning behind people being upset about
1: that—it's uh, just old people against change, like most of the things, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fundamentally, but it's, just, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, and the academy has has largely been that way forever, <laughs> forever because of who the cat the academy is made up of, and it's yeah. largely old white folk. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's why we don't see you know like there was a lot of love for Andy Serkis in the Planet of the Apes movies for the acting that he did but he never got nominated because he was doing motion capture yeah and there's a lot of just sort of ideas that motion capture isn't anything more than voice acting which is not viewed as the same as real acting as mm-hmm. the, as you know the uh, the sort of traditionalists would call it
1: yeah
0: which i don't put any stock in. i certainly believe that motion capture is on par with with you know the the standard acting yeah i mean they're doing all of those motions they're going and you know they're making all the facial expressions and everything like everything about the performance of that character within the context of the film is the actor themselves. Yeah, It's just that it's been CGI'd into something that they're not. So it's not their body. It's not their face, but all of their movements and facial expressions, it's all them. Like all the acting is there. hmm so for me, I don't I don't understand that as a viewpoint, and I think it certainly should start to be recognized. And I also think they should be bringing in a stunts person category. Yeah, which is gaining some traction. Um, there's a lot of people who do want to see that, and hopefully that comes in um, sooner sooner than later. Mm. And uh, you know, I posited the question a few uh, last year when people were. T- we're talking about it you know uh, if it if it does happen does does tom cruise get nominated for mission impossible but because mm-hmm. <laughs> he does all of his own stunts and those yeah. but um you know i i think it you know stunt people are a huge part of any film because you know they're not there's so many stunts and films that insurance companies won't let their bill you know their million dollar actor do yeah. So stunt people have to go in and do it. They're risking their lives. We had, uh, you know, a couple of stunt people die in the last couple of years while working on films like Deadpool 2. Uh, had a saw a stunt woman die in a motorcycle crash.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: they're they're pu- they're putting their lives on the line every time they they're filming these uh, these big movies. And I think they deserve some recognition. So I would much prefer to see a stunt person category or, you know, uh, versus the, the whole best popular film that they had uh, thought about introducing, um, earlier this year or you know, last year when they, when the Oscars were starting to heat up, mm. um, I don't necessarily have an issue with the best popular film category necessarily, but I think there are some other categories like stunt people that should be, uh, uh looked into first.
1: Yeah. All right. That's so, cool. Interesting. And so o- overall you went you went eight for eleven. And uh how did you enjoy the Oscars? Given that obviously, you know, hopefully there's some some changes in the future, but yeah, how did you enjoy it this year?
0: Uh I I really I really liked it. Um but, you know, I'm one of those people that really loves the Oscars and I've been watching it every year for, you know, the better part of this decade. But um, really, I've been watching it start to finish uh, every year for the last four, four years since I've started doing my predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy them. I love what they stand for uh, and what they're trying to do in terms of representing, recognizing uh, excellence in in filmmaking and yeah there there's there's lots of room for improvement but i think uh for the most part they're achieving what they want to achieve and you know i these are the types of films that i love to see and because they're just you know they're basically master classes in filmmaking and um for me, seeing these films get recognized with uh, the biggest awards they can be recognized with is something that I I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely enjoyed it a lot. This year was definitely better than last year's in terms of just the way that the ceremony flowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more because um, it wasn't you know the, there weren't those gimmicks that Kimmel was bringing, and there wasn't any mistakes. And even without the host, they you know the the presenters were. The, the way that they introduced the um like uh, uh, melissa mccarthy and uh, brian tyree henry uh presented best costume design and they came out in mashups of all of the uh, awards that were nominated
1: mm-hmm.
0: so like uh brian tyree henry had some black panther paint uh like uh, some of the paint that was used uh for like Zuri, uh, mm. like the little dots and stuff around his eyes, and he had Killmonger's hair, and then he had a Mary Poppins dress and uh, uh, coat and hat on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like Melissa McCarthy had the Mary Queen of Scots hair and the the favorite uh, with some bunnies all over her dress and cape and yeah. uh, a bunny a talking uh, bunny in her hands. So, like they were, it was just hysterical. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean overall, it was just a, I thought it was really good. It's just unfortunate that the whole green book best picture win is kind of overshadowed, but was a really good Oscars.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I feel Um, like it's almost always the case that there's some big thing. Like people always find something to complain about.
0: Yeah, well, that's the problem with it. Is like it's no matter who wins best picture, there's always like a very loud group of people going like, "Oh, this didn't deserve to win. What the hell?" Yeah you know, there's never anybody that's happy about best picture. And it's like, no matter what happens, the rest, the first, you know, <laughs> three, whatever, three, three and a half hours of the night, it's whatever happens in those last, you know, couple minutes that seems to hold, you know, create the narrative for the entire ceremony. Mm. And I don't think it should because like this year it was a great ceremony and there was so many diverse and, Great winners, and now, like, they're not even getting their fair due for winning because Mm. everybody's just so pissed off about Green Book. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't, I don't enjoy that. And, you know, and then when Moonlight won, like, it didn't even get its fair shake because they read the wrong friggin' envelope. Yeah. And they had, you know, all of La La Land's producers halfway through the speech before they even realized that there was a mistake.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, you know, Barry Jenkins is standing there like, jaw on the floor can't believe it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and everyone's just like it was a total shit show and like it's just i don't know like i understand why they want best picture last but because of how much best picture shapes the idea of what the oscars is i don't know where they can put it out you know that might improve that
1: yeah that's fair
0: that's the issue like you want it to be last because it is the biggest, you know, prize of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it also, it's like, you know, you're only, you're only so good as your first and last impressions. Right. Yeah. And when your last impression so often brings about these, you know, like so many feelings of anger, it's, I don't know how they can combat that. Yeah. Because if you put best picture in the middle, people aren't going to watch the rest. yeah. And if you put it at the start, nobody's going to see the other 23 awards, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to put it at the end, but then it overshadows everything else. If it's not the winner that people think should win. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of, you know, one of those damned if you do damned, if you don't situations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just unfortunate. I think this year, um, and, uh, Hopefully they can do a little bit better next year um, so that we don't have a situation where everybody's pissed off, but
1: uh, I guess we'll see.
0: We'll see. (laughs) All right. So I think that's as good as, as a place as any to wrap up the discussion. So I wanted to thank you, David, for joining me on this episode. Thank you. And I wanted to thank the listeners for tuning in to motion picture commentary. We do hope you enjoyed the episode until next time.